0: This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts, this is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, Hi, atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Wednesday, the 15th day of November 2023. We are halfway through the month. Time is flying by. Oh, I'm, I've am i been trying to get this camera to work. Um, I, I have not heard from the Lumina folks this week. Um, had several conversations with them last week, sent them some logs and stuff. They sent me some software. I installed it. That didn't fix the problem. I told them that, and I haven't heard back from them. Um, this uh, Logitech camera has a beautiful picture, but look at the ghosting when I move. It's it's There's kind of a stutter and everything, and I've been playing with the software and the settings on that, trying to get that to work, and that's not... So I don't know what I'm going to do. Um... I mean, none of these webcams are cheap. They ought to be working fine. Um, one video I looked at recommended rolling back to an older driver on this Logitech camera. Um, I've adjusted all the settings and done everything that uh, turned off all the the automatic stuff. Like I say, you want to make it so the camera does as little work as possible. So a lot of the, you know, low light compensation and, and automatic white balance and all of that stuff has been turned off because, you know, I'm just trying to get a good clear picture. I can adjust my lighting and all of that and adjust the exposure manually. I'm fine with that. But, oh, just having a hard time getting my video back up to the quality I had with the old computer because my my good Lumina camera just is not working with my new Falconware computer, and I don't understand it. And it's frustrating, as you can imagine. So we're we're continuing to work on that. Um, I apologize for the video quality. Um, we'll we'll see what we can do. <laughs> I will continue working. This is a an ongoing project, as it were, to get my video quality back where it ought to be. I've even been looking at new webcams and stuff, and, like, they're not cheap, you <laughs> it's just like, do I need to get a new webcam, or do I need to get these webcams working, because um, this is Logitech's HD Pro camera, um, this is their top of the line, now, there is a newer model of this camera, but if I, if I buy another camera, it's going to be a different brand, because um, I've got another Logitech camera, I might switch to it and give it a try. Um, an older model that I don't think is full HD, I think it's a 720 camera. This is a full HD camera. Um, but we'll keep working on it. And uh, I apologize for the motion blur and the weird, weird, unintentional effects <laughs> that my camera is providing to my video. All right. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and computer camera tech issues. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian podcast community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com, check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to, I guarantee it. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer, we have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, and then we are resuming our study Bible level Bible study. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy 17, verses 8 through 13 today. So that is our plan. Mm, Excuse me. So, um, yeah, busy day today for me. I've got youth group tonight at the church. We're getting together an hour early tonight because the youth are going to be packaging our church's Project Christmas Child boxes. We've been collecting stuff at the church for a couple of months now. And tonight we pack the boxes and get them off to Samaritan's Purse and where they will be distributed to the people they are distributed to. And uh, so that's, that's tonight's project. Um, So looking forward to that. Always look forward to spending time with the kids. I just have a great time with our youth group. Um, Good bunch of kids and always fun. Um, And uh, we've been going through Acts chapter two and Pentecost and the birth of the church and Peter's sermon. That's been our, our, Topic all year, as well as memorizing Psalm 1, the whole Psalm. So, those are our projects this year in in Youth Group, which is junior high and high school. So, if you are in the Frenchtown Valley area and you are looking for solid Bible teaching for your young person, age, you know, the junior high and high school age, grades 6 to 12, Frenchtown Community Church normally six o'clock tonight at five o'clock. Send your kids. We would, we'd love to have them and include them and teach them the word of God. All right. Let us begin as is our practice with the prayer of confession from the 2019 book of common prayer, almighty and most merciful father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And our devotional today is entitled, Prayer's Real Audience, God. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, Close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Matthew 6.6. 6. Dr. MacArthur writes, Jesus' primary instruction about prayer here is not about the location, but about our attitude in realizing that God constitutes our audience. If you go to a quiet, private place and shut everything else out as you pray, you'll turn your focus from yourself and others to, and over to God exclusively. Jesus regularly got away to pray alone so he could have effective communion with his Father, the most important singular member of his prayer audience. Praying to God who is in secret doesn't mean he is not our main audience for public prayers. He is definitely there wherever and whenever we call on him. Genuine prayer is thus in a sense always intimate. If offered rightly, even public prayer will shut us into a private moment with God, enclosed in His presence. Our Father, who sees what is done in secret, never betrays one of our prayer confidences. Unlike the occasional breached confidence we suffer at the hands of even our closest family or friends, private prayers and secret concerns shared with God will forever remain known just to Him unless we later want others to know. The important thing for God is not the precise words we utter in private prayer, but rather the private thoughts we express in our hearts. Only he can know those with certainty and truly care about them. See 1 Corinthians 4, 3-5. through 5. When God is genuinely the audience of our prayers, he will faithfully and unfailingly bless and reward us. Ask yourself, what have you discovered to be the greatest blessing of prayer? If none immediately springs to mind, try imagining a life without access to God's ear and his spirit. What would you miss most about being out of contact with him? And that is our thought from Dr. MacArthur this morning. Oh, that that motion blur is bugging me. I have that big monitor right there. (laughs) Every time I look up, I see the blur. All right. Uh, Enough of that, the camera. Yes, you're aware of it, I'm sure. All right, our prayer for the reading of the word, which is the colic for the second Sunday of Advent. As I mentioned yesterday, Advent is coming up rapidly. Uh, Sunday the 3rd of December is the first Sunday in Advent. Uh, Wow. (laughs) Time is, is, didn't we just do Advent? (laughs) It's like, we're we're almost to Christmas time and all of that. It's just, um, as I mentioned yesterday, Pastor Scott asked me to bring the message for the first Sunday of Advent. So I've already been thinking about that and rolling that around in my head. And uh, I am preaching this Sunday in uh, at uh, you know, Vando at Blackfoot Community Bible Church, the third Sunday of every month. I bring the message there, and we are starting Ephesians this week. So I'm looking forward to that as well. It's good to be back in the pulpit on a regular basis, even if it's only once, once or twice a month. Um, I, I have missed that. Um, And the fact that I'm going to be there every month means I can do a book study. So that's why we're studying, uh, starting Ephesians this week. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. That by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, we are in Deuteronomy. We are in chapter 17, and we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 13 today. If you have your Bible with you, follow along as I read, and I am reading from the Legacy Standard Bible. If any case is too difficult for you to judge between one kind of homicide or another, between one kind of lawsuit or another, and between one kind of assault or another, being cases of dispute in your gates, then you shall arise and go up to the place which Yahweh your God chooses. So you shall come to the Levitical priest or the judge who is in office in those days, and you shall inquire of them, and they will declare to you the judgment in the case. And you shall do according to the terms of the judgment. Which they declare to you from that place which Yahweh chooses. And you shall be careful to do according to all that they teach you. According to the terms of the law which they teach you, and according to the judgment which they tell you, you shall do. You shall not turn aside from the word which they declare to you to the right or to the left. And the man who acts presumptuously by not listening to the priest, who stands there to minister to Yahweh your God, or to the judge, that man shall die thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. Then all the people will hear and be afraid and will not act presumptuously again. All right. We've, we're, we're right on the heels of the passage we looked at yesterday about the, the death penalty being imposed upon those who are proven of worshiping false gods in Israel. And remember the, the admonition to investigate everything thoroughly. Nothing was to be done without a thorough investigation. But what do you do if, after you have had an investigation, you are you're, you're the local judges, which would be, the, you know, like I said, tribal elders, city elders, the the leaders of the city? They weren't they weren't just judges, um, although they're, the the word judges is used. I have to look up the Hebrew, see what that is. Um, I am not a Hebrew scholar at all. I am. Highly dyslexic. Hebrew is backwards, all the letters look the same to me and there are no vowels and I have I've tried. <laughs> I have tried but Hebrew is not going to ever be my strong suit. Um, so we'll keep that in mind. Um, but yeah I'd be interested to see what the what the word for judges is and what the entomology is because the judge, the, the, the judges that were to be appointed in the towns in the city squares, You know, in the the gates of the cities and everything that would that would rule over the cities, they weren't just judges like we think of. That all they do is preside over courts of law and decide matters of law. These were, I said, the village elders. They were the ones who were governing the city. Um, So they were a combination of you know legislative, judicial, and executive. Um, They weren't separate powers. In this time at, in Israel. So, you know, we have in the United States, we have such a tradition of the separation of powers that we we don't. And that comes from England. You know, they had, you know, the the courts and the parliament and the king. Um, you know, so that was a that separation of powers was something that that we that our forefathers were familiar with at the founding of our country. And it was something they kept um, in the constitution as we've been learning on Fridays and federalist Fridays. But the uh, um, in Israel, this was a, you know, a leadership government position, but even then the local, local people might have, you know, the, the something would be too much for them. There were cases that they couldn't decide. They couldn't make up their mind. They couldn't distinguish Is okay, is this, you know, is this first degree murder or is this, you know, manslaughter? Is this self-defense? They might, you know, they might have a clear-cut case of a murder because it mentions types of murder. You know, they might have a clear-cut case that, you know, Roy killed Bob. They know that they know Roy killed Bob, but the reasons and the circumstances and it's like, what would be the proper punishment? Should Roy be put to death for murder? Or was this self defense? Was and, and sometimes these cases are too difficult for the local judges. And so if that's the case, if it was too difficult to judge, and it could be, you know, lawsuit, they can't decide, you know, between a you know, dispute over ownership of a cow or whatever, they would have to kick it up the line. And it says that, you know, bring it to you know, arise and go up to the place which Yahweh your God chooses. Now, when he talks about the place that Yahweh your God chooses, that is the place where God has chosen to put his name, which means that was where the tabernacle was. And it was for many years in, in Shiloh. And uh, then, you know, later, the tabernacle, David moved the tabernacle to Jerusalem. And then Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem. So that place later became Jerusalem. But it's, it's where the high priest performs his duties, which would be where the tabernacle was and the ark of the covenant and all of that. So, you know, it's wherever God has placed his name, that's where you go. And so that was the that was the the court of appeal was the high priest or the judge who is in office in those days. Now, we don't know all the details of the judicial system. We don't know why there would be a high priest or a judge were there times when the high priest was the highest judge, other times when the high priest duties were too much, and so they appointed someone just to take the, the case? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, It could be, and this is something because we know Solomon heard cases when he was king, and David, you know, but I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the, the example of the wisdom of Solomon where he you know, ordered that the baby would be cut in half and then, uh, you know, ruled that the, the woman that wanted to give the baby away rather than see it killed was in fact the real mother and gave the child to her. And and that, you know, that example of his wisdom. So it could be that the judge who is in office in that day was the ruler of Israel. and And so this could have been in the time of the judge's, when God had appointed judges like, you know, Samson and Gideon um, and others during that time, that that was the court of high appeal. But in times when there was not a judge, it would be the high priest. And then later it would be the king. So, you know, we, we don't know all the details. We're not, we're not given all of that of how it works out. But they had, you know, a, a process where things were investigated at the local level, if the local officials, excuse me, could not, excuse me, if the local officials couldn't decide the case, then they went up to the uh, the high priest or the judge in office at that time for the decision. But then he says in verse ten, the people were then bound to the decision of that court. Those decisions were binding they had the force of law. They had the imperator of God on them. And he says, you know, you shall do according to the terms of the judgment, what they declare to you in that place, which Yahweh chooses. And you shall be careful to do according to all that they teach you. So there is no skirting this issue. Um, you, you can't go to the court and then you decide you don't like what the court said. Um, if you submit to the court, you have to submit to the court. And not submitting to the court was punishable by death. It's rebellion. It's the sin of rebellion. And we we see, you know, repeatedly that God hates rebellion. God is a god of law, and God's people ought to be law-abiding. And so, God does not like rebels. And rebels are are often spoken against in the scripture, um, and so the the rebellion is a sin, and it's something that that we need to be on guard against because we are by nature rebels. That's the sin nature. I want it my way, and because of that, we we you know the, the oh, let's let's just look at that that list at the end of Romans chapter one. Um, because look at how much of this is rebellion. Flip out here to Romans. Listen to, to how much of the stuff in Romans chapter 1 could be classified as rebellion. Wasn't planning on doing this, so I didn't have a bookmark. So it's taking me a minute to get there. Here we go. And I flip to Romans 8. So back up a few chapters. Okay, at the end of Romans chapter 1, there is the the list of... of uh, characteristic sins of the unrighteous. And he says, you know, um, in verse 29, they are filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, violent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, it's rebellion, without understanding, untrustworthy, that's rebellion, folks, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the righteous requirements of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So, being arrogant, you know, arrogance is, you know, the heart of rebellion, because nobody's going to tell me what to do. You know, the rules don't apply to me. That's the definition of arrogance. The rules don't apply to me. That's rebellion. Disobedient to parents. You know, I remember first time reading that and seeing that in this list, and thinking about the times that I disobeyed my parents, because I was a rebellious kid. <laughs> there, there are people alive who know me. Um, I often say I, I got the uh, opportunity. Um, back in the nineties to the late nineties, I was teaching my parents Sunday school class at Trinity Baptist church in Missoula under pastor Bobby King. I was teaching the adult Sunday school class and my parents were in that class. And I think it was at that point that mom finally realized, okay, he's turned out all right. <laughs> you know, Because there were times in my youth when, uh, they had a lot to worry about. um I was a rebellious kid, drinking drugs, running around, causing trouble, you know high school dropout they had to go back and finish my high school diploma so that I could join the Air force, but it was you know that was a year after I would have graduated um so you know, just you well, know, actually, I graduated at the same time I transferred credits and challenged a couple of classes, but, you know, it was the only thing that, that caused me to get my high school diploma was the fact that the air force wouldn't take a GED. The other branches would have, but the air force wouldn't. So I, uh, I ended up finishing my high school diploma. I had a GED. I did that as soon as I quit school, I went and took the GED test and, but I had to go back and I had to, uh, challenge a couple of classes to finish up my credits, and uh, that's why my my diploma doesn't say Frenchtown High School. My diploma says Helena Capital because I did it through the State Department of Education, and that's who they issued it from because Helena is the state capital. So my high school diploma says Helena Capital. Um, Julie, I've got one of the teachers here at the local school district. Um, He and I technically graduated together from Helena Capital High even though you know i had never set foot in the place um yeah we we laugh about that being classmates um so you know rebellion is serious and i was that rebellious kid um and it cost me there's you know the, on the one hand god is sovereign and he everything i went through was by his decree and for his purpose and that's you know, trusting in the sovereignty of God. But on a human sense, there are things I regret, seriously, that I wish I could go back and change. Um, obviously, you can't. Um, you know, there's there's no edit function in life. Um, once Once a moment is passed, you can't go back and change it. Once an action is taken, you can't undo it. Once a word is said, you can't unsay it. So there's... You know, there is, on a human sense, regret, even as you trust in the sovereignty of God that He had a purpose in you doing that and you going through that. But, uh, so He hates rebellion, and, and they were to, to carefully follow the ruling of the court. This was, this was not something that was to be, um, you know, refused after the fact. So, and, and, and it says anyone who, who doesn't do that is acting presumptuously. Now, that, that means that they are assuming to themselves an authority higher than God's anointed priest, God's anointed king, the judge God has put in office. That's acting presumptuously. Acting presumptuously is, is another word for rebellion. They're presuming that they're wiser, that they know better, And they're they're assuming that they're right when that is not necessarily the case. And even, you know, what if it's, you know, I mean, we have back in in chapter 16, we had the rulings not to pervert justice, not to take a bribe, not to do any of that, because it perverts the word of the righteousness. You're supposed to be righteous. You're supposed to judge in righteousness. This is the end of chapter 16. So when we, we look at this and he says, you know, what if the judge is corrupt? What if the judge is taking a bribe? What if the judge decides against me because he's been bought off? The way I'm reading this, God says don't rebel. Submit to the judge. God's judgment will be upon the judge. And now will this cost you? Very likely. You know, if it's dispute over ownership of a cow and your opponent in court has bribed the, the judge, you're gonna lose the cow. You're gonna be out of cow. And that's going to be costly, you know. Remember, this is a time when wealth is truly measured in agricultural produce. Um, people didn't have piles of money. They had, you know, land and crops and livestock. That was how wealth was was measured. Um, when you read the Old Testament, it talks about how wealthy Abraham was. It talks about the size of his flocks and the size of his herds, you know. So that's how wealth is measured. So, you know, people didn't have big bank accounts because there weren't any banks. (laughs) Uh, Interestingly enough, what we we consider modern banking was invented during the Crusades by the Knights Templar. That's how the Knights Templar became so wealthy, because they developed a system. So if you're going on pilgrimage to the Holy Land or if you're going on crusade, you know, money was, you know, they didn't even have paper money. It was coin And bullion. So, you know, if you need to, you're going to be gone to the Holy Land for a year and you've got to pack your living expenses, you know, you're not going to be able to carry a couple of saddlebags full of gold coins. And if you do, you are just, you know, very much a target for robbers. So, they developed a system whereby you could deposit your money at, with the Knights Templar in Europe. And then, Travel to the Middle East, present your credentials to the Knights Templar in the Middle East, and withdraw your money. So that was a, that was, they were, they invented modern banking in, in, in a real sense. And then later, because they had amassed so much wealth doing this, because they charged fees, they had, they, they started being a big money lender. And so a lot of people owed money to the Knights Templar including the crown of France, which was one of the big reasons why the French crown turned against the Knights Templar. Um, and the reason they got the Pope on their side was the the way the charter of the Knights Templar were written, they didn't pay uh, none of the offerings received by the Knights Templar were forwarded to Rome. they were they they were not, they didn't go into the papal treasury. They went into the Knight Templar treasury, and the Pope had no control over that. And so you had a, a king of France who was heavily in debt, who wanted to get out of that debt, and you had a greedy Pope who wanted that money. And that was why the Knights Templar were attacked like they were. I don't want to say, was that the 1200s, 1300s? I'd have to go back and look. I'm not sure. Um, Dan Jones Wrote a great book on the history of the Knights Templar. If that's something you're interested in in digging into, I would recommend Dan Jones's book. I just don't remember the dates, but Dan Jones's book is fabulous. If you're interested in the Knights Templar, um, I think he wrote a bigger book on just the Crusades, but this one, but he did one on the Knights Templar because they were. They went beyond the Crusades because they became such a, a force in Europe. It wasn't just that they were Crusader Knights in the Middle East. All right, back to Deuteronomy. So you're supposed to do everything which the judge or the high priest says in, in uh, settling the case. And it says, according to the terms of the law which they teach you, and according to the judgment which they tell you, you shall do. You shall not turn aside from the word they declare to you to the right or to the left. So their judgment is to be followed and their teaching is to be followed. So a lot of times you might bring a difficult case to the judge and part of his decision would be to instruct you on, okay, in the future, in cases like this, this is what you ought to do. So you decide this case, but you also get instruction for deciding future cases along the same lines and he said you know so what he what what they the, the terms of the law they teach you and the judgment which they tell you that you're supposed to do follow these follow these judgments don't act presumptuously don't rebel against the judgment um, and the man who who acts presumptuously by not listening to the priest who stands there to minister to Yahweh your God or to the judge that man shall die. Thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. We talked about that yesterday because that that same phrase was there in verse seven. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Um, you know, it, and again, as I said, this was a, a twofold thing. You know, because the one thing you're getting rid of the evil person, so that's purging the evil from your midst. Um I think one of the the biggest shames in our modern society is the quote unquote recidivism rate the the rate at which criminals released from jail recommit crime and the reason is that so many of these crimes should have been punished by death so that they wouldn't be able to recommit those crimes um, you know, so you know, rape murder certain types of assault you know that should carry a death penalty um, I think kidnapping used to be a capital crime. I don't know if it still is, but you have, you know, I mean, I think about serial killers, which have been kept alive in prison for years, you know, uh, Charles Manson, he's still alive. He died a couple of years, but I mean, he's been in prison since the 70s. Um, you know, he should have been executed. Some of the people that took part in those Manson murders served their time and are out. Um, so, you know, scary things, um, th- that should not have been, that evil should have been purged from among us. Um, think about—I mean, you know—and and this is Charles Manson has continued to do evil during the time he was in prison, and at least in the early days, his followers were still being guided by him. Um, I think about what was it, uh, Squeaky Fromm? I don't remember what her real first name was, I think it was but she went by Squeaky. She tried to kill President Ford. She was one of the Manson family. So, you know, purge the, the evil from your midst. Um, and then he says, you know, so in the, on the one hand, it, the evil person is done away with and is no longer a plague on the society. But then look at verse 13. Then all the people will hear and be afraid and will not act presumptuously again. Punishing crime has a deterrent effect on those who are not yet criminal the fear of getting caught and the fear of getting punishment is real. And it keeps people from committing crime. And the, the problem with the modern left progressive, uh, judicial philosophy is a denial of the sinful nature of man. They deny the doctrine of total depravity. People are depraved. People are by nature sinners, rebels, rebels, criminals. Um, it, it's, it's you know, and they need to be deterred. The and, and so having, you know, the threat of punishment and the knowledge that, hey, these people are serious about this, that deters crime. That deters evil. In this case, it deters rebellion. And so, you know, when we start packaging all of this together, and we see there needs to be due process. There needs to be a thorough investigation. There needs to be a legitimate establishment of the facts that the, that the law was broken, you know, on the basis of two or three witnesses, there needs to be careful consideration and judgment. But once the judgment is made, there needs to be adherence to that judgment. And the judgment needs to be in accordance with the law and the people's obedience to it needs to be in accordance with the law. Um, And when you have corrupt judges, evil judges who are doing the wrong thing, don't rebel. Do what you can legally. You know, if there is a legal way under the system to oppose a corrupt judge or a biased judge, then yes, that's open to you. But if there isn't, you just grin and take it. And, you know, that's just because life is not fair and we are to submit to the governing authorities. This is Romans 13. You know, the the authority they have is from God. Now, if they exceed the authority that was given to them by God, there is, you know, and we see that in Scripture too, where people would not not submit because the judgment was not in accordance with the law and the the judges themselves were rebellions against God or the king or the high priest or whoever, you know. So we've seen, you know, the, the not submitting, but even then, there's a acceptance of the consequences. You, you, if you rebel against the powers, and, and I, I, I shouldn't use rebel because rebe- rebellion is wrong, but if you resist or do not comply with unlawful commands, those who have the authority to issue those commands are not going to be happy. And most of the time, you know, dictators are petty (laughs) in that any challenge to their rulership is going to be met with um, anger and revenge. So be ready for it. Doesn't mean you don't stand for what's right. But if you stand for what's right against a corrupt ruler, you're going to face consequences. And, And so, you know, be aware and be ready. And be willing to accept those consequences. If you're not willing to accept those consequences, you don't, you know, easiest way is just to submit to the the law. But there's times you can't, you know, if the if you know it's better to obey God rather than men. Actually, it's you should obey God rather than men. So there's a there's there's a you know it's not easy, is it? It's not easy, which is why our lives need to be saturated with Scripture. And our thought process needs to be saturated with scripture. And we need to have, you know, see, have and seek out wise counsel when we face these difficult issues. Um, because it, it is, it's important. It's important for us to obey God. It's important for us to be the best Christians we can be. And it's important for us to even to, to stand for godliness in the face of, you know, tyranny. So these are all things that we have to carefully consider. But all the time by understanding that, you know, God hates rebellion, governments are instituted by God for the good of society. And it is only in very rare and select circumstances that governments are to be opposed. Um, they do exist, those, those, those rare exceptions, exceptional circumstances But they are rare exceptions. Um, And we need to always examine ourselves and say, okay, is this just the rebelliousness of my heart because I don't like what they've done? Or is this a genuine issue of God says A and the government is saying B? Is it a matter of preference? They're saying something I don't like? Or are they actually going against the clear teaching of the word? So, you know, very important that we consider these things. We can't just, you know, float downstream in this world because the stream, you know, broad is the way that that stream is not going where, where we ought to go. So we can't just be swept along by the events of the world. We need to be grounded in the word of God and firm in the word of God. Um, We need to submit to the word of God and, There is a sense in which we need to hold our rulers accountable to submit to the word of God as well. All right, that's all I've got there from chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. Uh, Something to think about. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. whose blessed Son came into the world, that he might destroy the works of the devil and make us children of God and heirs of eternal life. Grant that, having this hope, we may purify ourselves as he is pure, that when he comes again with power and great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom, where he lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Now the colic for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, You have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger, and that, guided by your Spirit, we may do what is righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them, by your word and Holy Spirit, a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven, given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home, and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for today. Hope you have a marvelous Wednesday. Um, Just have a great day. I, I, I really do wish you a great day. Do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow, another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless.